multiply and fill the earth and subdue and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heaven over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Man, this is the word of the Lord this morning. If you were here on a Mother's Day, you might recall, and I'm sure you do, and I'm sure you have copious notes on them. But on Mother's Day, we looked at and we spoke on the preceding verse to what we read this morning, verse 27. God created man in his image. God created as male and female. Now God created us. And of course, my point, my argument was to go against the irrationality of the world in which we are living and find ourselves in today. God's design and purpose is a good design and purpose. What God has created is good. That's why at the very end we read those words that God saw that everything He had made and behold, it was good. And when we mar and destroy and and corrupt what God has created, it will lead to chaos and confusion. Man, what God has given us in this world, in our life, and even in our gender, our sexuality is a good thing. God has designed us uniquely the way that we are, and we need to, as a society, walk in the blessings and goodness of God. And of course, in saying all this, we need to pull back the curtain, not just on God's design and gender and sexuality, but really all of God's intentions and purposes. The things that are going on in our society and the destruction of traditional marriage, the destruction of, of really gender, which is what we seem to be doing at a rapid pace, is really nothing more than, than trying to to take God out of our lives and really to destroy His plans and purposes for the world. And it's an understandable thing because when we live according to God's purposes, we are acknowledging His existence. The reason you stopped at the stop sign or the stoplight on your way here this morning is because you acknowledge that there is a higher authority. Borough of Wingap, the Slate Belt Regional Police Department, all speak to us and tell us that there is somebody greater than ourselves out there. 
And if you didn't stop this morning, well, God will forgive you. Just ask him to. <laughs> but that is the reality. We, 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 we do things because we acknowledge a greater existence, a higher order than us. And, and so it is in our lives as human beings. We live the way that God has created us to live. We acknowledge that there is a God and that God has a plan and a purpose for life, for humanity, for society. And when we live according to those things, we're acknowledging His authority and rule in this world. But more importantly, when we live according to God's intentions and designs, we are also becoming candidates and recipients of His blessings. Because we notice there in verse 28 again, that God blessed Adam and Eve. God blessed them. God created everything that He did. And when He was finished, He looked at them and He said, My blessing will be upon them. When we, of course, walk in a way and we destroy what God has created, we are destroying His blessings. And my challenge for you today, and especially for those of us that are men here this morning, but, but really all of us, because this applies to every single one of us, is to not to attempt to destroy what God has created. My challenge, though, is for you to walk in and appreciate the blessings and goodness of God in your life. Again, God tells us that God created man and woman, and God blessed them. So we ask, how did God bless them? How is the blessing of God seen in our lives today? Well, I give to you three ways in which I see the blessing of God and what God intends for us even as Society in 2022 to live, to order our lives as. The first one I see is this, the blessing of being faithful to the creation mandate. The blessing of being faithful to the creation mandate. God created male and female, created man in His image. He created us in His likeness. And then we are told immediately there in verse 28, which we started, that God blessed them. And then we notice these words. God did not just bless them. God also instructed them. He mandated them, if you would. God blessed them, verse 28, and He said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is what is known by theologians and scholars as the creation mandate. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. This is the design and, and intention and plan of God for humanity. If we as humans would, would fill the earth, that we would subdue and have dominion over all the other living creatures in this world. 
We are not as humans subservient to the rest of creation. Rather, we are to exercise dominion, stewardship, and care over the earth that God has placed us on. And this is a problem in our world and our society and a problem with those who have become extremists in in the environmental movement. People are more interested in preserving nature for the sake of a turtle over human flourishing when they would rather protect insects and rodents over human life, they are missing the fact that it is mankind, it is humanity, it is you and I who bear the image of God, not a cute little salamander. Despite the fact that your five-year-old daughter wants to pet a snake, And I'm not mentioning names, but maybe Mary was watching her this weekend and she saw a snake and wanted to pet her. Mary said, you are insane. Get away from it. (laughs) It's not that serpent. It's not the snake. It's not the salamander. It's not the turtle or the elephant or or the horse or whatever. It is you and I as human beings that God has given us this mandate to, to watch over, protect and steward this world the world dominion the word dominion i should say conveys the idea of having dominion or ruling jeremiah uses this word in jeremiah 5 31 to denote that the priests are to exercise their authority it can also describe the dominion of masters over slaves or supervisors over laborers God's purpose in creating man, according to the world biblical commentary, was that he should rule over the animal world. Here this injunction is repeated and defined more precisely. Rule the fish of the sea, rule the birds of the sky, rule every living creature on earth. Because man is created in the image of God, he is king over nature. He rules the world on God's behalf. This is, of course, no license for the unbridled exploitation and subjugation of nature. Ancient Oriental kings are expected to be devoted to the welfare of their subjects, especially the poorest and weakest members of society. But by upholding divine principles of law and justice, rulers promote peace and prosperity. So it is that mankind here is commissioned. To rule nature as a benevolent king, acting as God's representative over them, and therefore treating them in the same way as the God who created them. This point has to be made. It has to be explained. We are not allowed to abuse the earth. We are not allowed to destroy nature and creation. It's a shame that we as natives of this state have to find ourselves as a church canceling a picnic because there's so many that come from out of state and want to ruin the state parks that we have. And, and if you don't get there at 7 o'clock in the morning, you're not allowed in because it's filled to capacity and the damage that is left behind is such a shame. We're not allowed to simply go out there and destroy things for the sake of destroying them and just to kill an animal just so we can have a trophy or something in our room or whatever you want to say. But, but the reality is when there are ways 
to safely extract fossil fuels from the ground that is not environmentally damaging. And we refuse to do so out of a slavish devotion to this false premise that somehow we're going to run our cars and our trucks and our airplanes on solar power. People are suffering in the way they are, paying outrageous prices, suffering with high energy costs, and, and this winter are going to suffer in tremendous ways with high energy costs. There's something wrong. With that picture, we are, we are not fulfilling the creation mandate. That's just a tangent and a side here. Not really part of the sermon. That's just free, but <laughs> tell I got gas just recently, right? But the fact of the matter is, in this creation mandate, there are commands for Adam and Eve to fulfill. There is an element of responsibility that should be pursued. We're living in a day and hour when we cannot as a society even define what a man and, and woman is. Even our elite rulers, one of our nine justices, can't properly define what a woman is. We see here, though, the essence of what it means. What it means to be a man, if you would. Man is not a person with big muscles. It's not a person with great facial hair, thankfully. It's not the amiable dunce that you see portrayed on TV. A man is someone who, who, who takes this mandate to fulfill God's given purpose to, in his life. He takes it seriously. He fulfills his God-given purpose to have dominion over this earth to exercise rule and authority, a person who takes responsibility for fulfilling this mandate. See this in the next chapter, Genesis 2, verse 15. Lord God took the man, he put him in the Garden of Eden, and what did he do? He told Adam to work and to keep the garden. Adam had to prune trees and mow the grass long before everything else. Or in our case, he mowed the weeds, whatever. He probably didn't have weeds in his yard. But God gave him a job. He gave him responsibility. And this is our responsibility as humans. And men in particular, your purpose in life is to work, to be productive, to find meaning and purpose in making society a better place by your production. We do such a disservice when we provide for people who, is, who are capable of working and providing for themselves. And I'm so amazed, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day as I was kind of reviewing this. Some of you have been here, whether it's for a prayer time or, you, you know, you and I have talked or whatever the case, or you've done something, been working here at the church, and, and oftentimes you bring your, your child and you put them in the nursery and they're there all by myself. And I, and I was just thinking it's so amazing to sit there and, and we're either talking or doing our prayer time or whatever we're doing and that child's in the nursery and I can hear them playing and working and, and, and they're fulfilling their purpose, their God-given mandate. 
They're building things. They're making tracks to race cars in and, and using blocks and Legos to, to build stuff. And, and I think even at that young of age, they, they instinctively know that there is a purpose for them. I think it's such a good thing. Anymore, you know, we throw a screen in front of our littlest of kids and they have no purpose and I'm saying sometimes it ain't good to give them your phone and let them watch something and be entertained, but kids are learning to play and they're developing skills, they're developing motor skills and they're learning to play with each other, feeling what God has called them to do. And this continues all through our life. Now, Jordan Peterson, as psychologist from Canada, has kind of been on the forefront of pushing back against the idiocy that's taking place in our culture. It's had a particular impact on young men. Of course, he wrote a book that's a runaway bestseller called 12 Rules for Life. And one of his rules for these young men especially is to get up and clean your room. His rationale for stating that is that when you clean your room, you, you find meaning and purpose and order, and you start by cleaning a room, all of a sudden you find you can do a little bit more. Probably some of you, a lot of you have seen that YouTube video of the Admiral who was speaking to the University of Texas there in their commencement address. Admiral William McRaven, way back in 2014, read to you some of the transcript of his speech. He said, every morning in basic SEAL training, my instructors, who at the time were all Vietnam veterans, would show up in my barracks room, and the first thing they would do was inspect your bed. My apologies to you veterans who are having flashbacks here. If you did it right, the corners would be square, the covers pulled tight, the pillow centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. It's Navy talk for bed. He said it was a simple task, Monday night, but every morning we were required to make our bed to perfection. Seemed a little ridiculous at the time, particularly in light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors, tough, battle-hardened seals, but the wisdom of this simple act has been proven to me many times over. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride. It will encourage you to do another task and another and another. By the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things in life right, you will never do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made. That you made. A made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be made, will be better. Said if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. And all of you that did not make your bed, come to the front. Let's pray, shall we? No. <laughs> We're not doing that. The point is pretty simple though, isn't it? All of us have purpose. All of us have meaning. Yes, and I, and I get it. It's easy for me to get out of bed and come here tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow because I'll be on vacation, but, but normally to come and, and get a paycheck. But even if, 
If you're not at that place, if you're retired or you're too young to work, you have purpose and meaning in life. It's why you need to get up and go to school and apply yourself to your studies and to your education. That's why you need to, even if you are retired and it's harder and harder to do things, finding the things in your own home that you can do that that gives you meaning and significance. Young men need to find a purpose that's greater than just video games and online pornography or whatever else this world is offering. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. And play video, I mean, at least the video games, not the pornography. There's plenty wrong with that. But, but when that becomes your passion, when that becomes broken life, and you're not finding yourself becoming better off, if you're not entering a field of, uh, where you're being productive, even with the video games or whatever else, and making money, and you're just, just wasting your life away, there is something better out there for you. Not just young men, all of us. Men, we have purpose and meaning in life. Ladies, we have purpose and meaning. And even if your purpose is to corral little children as a stay-at-home mom, you have the greatest purpose that one could ever have in life. Fulfill God's purpose and be blessed in it. I know it's hard when it's another dirty diaper and another... Another meal to cook. But by doing so, you're fulfilling God's mandate. You're fulfilling God's purpose. You're exercising stewardship and dominion. And of course, I realize that there is the fall and the curse. And we realize because of that, that's the reason that stupid computer doesn't work and you want to throw it out the window. The reason the lug nuts are rusted onto the car and you have to jump on top of your wrench to get them loose and... There's a reason you wind up slamming your finger in a dryer door when you're trying to move it and get rid of it. You want to see my boo-boo? I'm really bad. Give me money. Wait, that's not how that works. We do that. We fall. Work is hard. Numbers don't make sense. I mean, I know 2 plus 2 equals 4, but for some reason it's not making sense today. Yeah, we work at it because God has given us purpose and meaning we as a society need to find it one thing david did mention whether he came across it or not but so many of these kids that are doing these horrible things feel like there is no purpose for them in life and the only way they'll have purpose is if they do something as insane as walking into a school taking the lives of innocent children You have purpose and meaning. We live according to God's purpose. We are blessed. God blessed them. Told Adam, go out there, name the animals. Go out there and till the garden. Go out there and make your trees and shrubberies beautiful and, and, and take dominion over it. Blessing of God is seen in fulfilling the creation mandate. And then secondly, the blessing of God is seen in fulfilling God's purposes in marriage. God's purposes. God's purposes in marriage. And here in verse 28, in fact, the very first words after those words, and God blessed them, is that God looked at Adam and Eve and said, 
be fruitful and multiply. This implies the fact that Adam and Eve were joined together in matrimony and their marriage was critical in fulfilling this mandate. This is why God blessed them. We read further in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Verse 21, The Lord God took, caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, one of his... He took and he closed up its place with flesh. The rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is at last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. And therefore, man will leave his father and his mother. He will hold fast to his wife and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Before we go any further, we recognize again. Of course, that singleness is not a curse. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that being single is advantageous in advancing the kingdom of God. A person has focuses or single is focused on the work of God and thank God for those missionaries who have went and their state of singleness and blazed the trail for others to come by. Nor do we realize and recognize and And see childlessness as a curse. We we realize that the fall has affected all of humanity. At the same time, we cannot deny the fact that this world, that today's culture, pushes and advances everything but heterosexual marriage and having children. We want to have and believe that marriage can exist between anything and everything. It doesn't matter who you marry. It doesn't matter how many you marry. It doesn't matter if the thing you marry is actually a person or something else. We have people even writing opinion pages saying that it is immoral for you to bring children into this world. And we ask the question of whether or not we are calling down the judgment of God rather than His blessing. When we take such ludicrous positions in our world, are we not in fact asking for the judgment of God instead of His blessing? When we want to diminish what God has created, the fact is God's blessing is seen when a man leaves his father and mother and he marries his wife and they become an entirely new family unit. Proverbs 18 verse 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. He obtains favor from the Lord. I like those words there, Matthew Henry, and commenting on the words of Genesis 2. He says the woman was made out of a rib out of the side of Adam. Not made out of his head to rule over him or out of his feet to be trampled on by him, but out of his side to be equal with him under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be beloved. It is a good thing. It is a good thing. We can celebrate a young man and a young woman being joined and married together. 
This is a good thing when you grow up and you leave the house of your mom and dad. You strike out on your own. You fulfill God's purposes. Psalm 127, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the room is a reward. Again, we understand effects of the fall is sometimes resulted in childlessness. Sometimes children are born with terminal illnesses. Children in marriage, for that matter, is not an easy thing. It's hard work. It takes commitment each and every day when you don't feel like it. Despite the effect of the curse, God's blessing is to be found when we work hard, we get married, we have children, and we fulfill what God has called us to do. So many of us want to sit down and watch cable TV and shake our fist and say, let's elect a politician that will change all that stuff. And I want to tell you, don't worry about that. Okay, you want to win, I'll tell you how we're going to win. Get married, have kids. That's a long, slow strategy, but the fact is, when you marry your dog, you're not going to have children and offspring, okay? So we're going to win by default, by attrition. God has created children to be conceived and come into the world one way and one way only. I challenge you young people especially not to let career advancement or pleasure seeking or whatever stand in the way of finding that one person you can spend the rest of your life with. And even here as a church, as we're small and there's maybe as many options as you'd like or whatever, thank God we live in a day where you can get on a plane or find somebody over the internet and all these other things that you kids used to do. Way back when we wrote letters and had to call each other on the phone. If God calls you to be single, go in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. But don't acquiesce to the world because I've seen so many ladies that have looked back and men have looked back and they're in their 40s and 50s and even older than I am and they look back and they say, I have it all career-wise and yet my life feels so empty. Men who look back and say, such a charming ladies' man, I slept with whoever I wanted to, and yet my life feels so empty. People want to know how to fix our culture. It's easy, as David already said. We need men to become fathers. Fatherlessness is the biggest problem we face today, and I realize none of our politicians, whether Republican or Democrat, can dare say that, but the fact is, I guarantee you the next one I hear say that I will probably vote for regardless of who they are, regardless of the party. God's blessing is seen in work. It's seen in marriage and family, finally. Finally, God's blessing is seen when we recognize, recognize our dependence on God. The blessing of recognizing our dependence on God. Here we are. We've read this creation mandate. We've read this creation story. At the beginning of chapter 2, which probably should be the end of chapter 1, honestly, something strange happens. Verse 2 of Genesis 2 says, On the seventh day, God 
finished his work that he had done, rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now, this is strange. Why is God? Why is God the one who does not grow weary or does not faint? Why why is he resting? Why do we read here in verse 3 that God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done? The answer to this question is not that God is weary or needs a break. Rather that with the creation of mankind, Jesus has reached a pinnacle of his creative works. His rest is the rest of completion, not a rest from weariness or exhaustion. Furthermore, God's Sabbath rest is set as a pattern for us. A realization that we, as human beings, we need rest in our lives. Not rest from completion, but rest from weariness and exhaustion. More importantly, we need to understand and recognize our dependence upon God as our creator and sustainer. That is why with the resurrection of Christ, and you tie this into the Sabbath, why it is on the first day of the week, in the first hours of the week, we find ourselves gathering together, confessing our need of God. We are dependent upon Him. We cannot live without Him. Acts 17, Paul said, Acts 17, 28, for in Him we live. And we move and we have our being. And dare I say that the problem with our world and our culture today is that we are attempting to live our lives without God. I mean, what is this effort to define our own gender and sexuality but an effort to say, I am God. I can, I can make myself from man into a woman. I will be God. I am my own God. Paul said in Romans 1, though they they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. They did not give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts are darkened. Dare I say to you, the life that God blesses is the life that God looks upon. But His blessing is the life that acknowledges Acknowledge his or her need of him each and every day. If we would take time to rest, if we would take time to stop, to be still and know that he is God, if we would take time to lay down our achievements and advancing and our charging through life and simply say, God, I need you. God would bless. God blessed the seventh day. God made it holy. Blesses and honors those who are willing to bow down before Him and acknowledge your need of His provision. Guidance in their day-to-day fears. Well, I want to challenge again, you young people, to set off on your own and forge your own path in life and 
do all these things, the reality is your life will only be successful when you bow before Him and acknowledge your need of Him day by day. Man, we need Him. Oh, we need Him every hour we need Him. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come. I come to you. I need you every hour, most gracious one. I need you, oh, I need you. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you think you're good enough on your own, you think you've done enough on your own, the fact of the matter is, if you do not ask Him for forgiveness of your sins and repent from your ways, Jesus said it doesn't matter if you gain the whole world and yet you lose your own soul. Today, begin by acknowledging your dependence on Him. And I challenge you each and every day, whether you're a man or a woman, a young person, old person, to make sure you start your day with an acknowledgement that you must have the help of God in your life. It is through Him that I live and I move. And so we finished today where I started off last summer. Went back kind of to Genesis chapter 1 again, but I was talking to somebody the other day. I believe our answers are found right here in the opening pages of Scripture. We want to know how to fix our world. We need to get back to what God has ordered, how God has created us. They're not new what we are facing today. We know about them because of the advent of the Internet and everything else. But these problems we are facing today are rooted in the fall of humanity in Genesis chapter 3. The answer to show how we solve these crises is not going to be found in any modern invention or scheme. It's going to be found by getting back to God's design, God's purposes. Men and women living their life the way that God has ordered them to live. And this is what we have to do as a church. We have to fulfill these purposes. We have to demonstrate and tell this world. I mean, we can, we can do all we want to to push legislation that's going to ban this or that or the other, but we have to tell this world that marriage works. And how do we do that? We do that by you and I. Celebrating 5 and 10 and 20, 50, 60. Some of you are here and you've, you've made it over that 50. I don't know if anybody's made it over 60 yet, but at least it's here. And I look at you and I say, you know what? It works. Man, it works. Yeah, no, it hasn't been easy. You told me stories or I've gathered you've made it work and this tells the world that what we have to offer works I mean, we do it not when we take our children and we shove them in a corner and push them out of the way and turn on the TV and say be quiet no we do it when I say amen and you're like me we all jump on the pew because here comes a band of little kids running around the church at 100 miles an hour 
instead of looking and wagging at them and saying, how dare they? Why do we let our kids? You know what? Let them run. Let them, let them enjoy. I mean, if you're a parent here, make sure that they're not running over, you know, us old folks or whatever. But we love the sound of children when they're screaming and they're throwing their toy on the pew. Don't be embarrassed. Now, if it's you, you know, straighten up and live right. But <laughs> let's let our children, let them come. Let them, let them come. Let them be a part. And let's tell the world. I mean, we still believe. We still believe in these. It works when we show up at our job. We're the best worker out there. We're the ones that they can count on. Got a phone call here, and I'll use it as a bragging or whatever. He's not here to embarrass him, but got a call from Carter about 8.30 or 8.45, whenever. Say, I'm not working today. And I thought, oh, great, what'd you do? Well, the problem is Carter's been working too much, and he's not 18 until Thursday. He's been working every single day, and the grocery store where he works at, there's too many that come and go, and Unfortunately, the managers have found him to be a dependable, reliable worker. So in case you're wondering, he wasn't too disappointed that he's not working today. (laughs) I thought, what an argument, what an argument. What an argument that we can tell this world, you want to find somebody dependable, find it in a Christian. Find it in a person. And again, if you have to change jobs, if you're unhappy, if the boss is dishonest, whatever, yeah, that's the beauty of being in this country. Trust me, you don't believe it. It Every place you go is hiring. Probably some of you business owners here would love to talk to you after church. But what a beauty. What a testimony to this world that, that we as Christians are faithful and diligent in our work. We're hard workers. More importantly, when we come to church and we acknowledge acknowledge that what we're saying is not just words, but they're truth. We come and we sing. We pray and we confess our sin and we acknowledge, God, I need you in my life. The world looks at us in their time of trouble and says that person has a relationship with God. Let me call on them. God blesses this life. And yes, it's hard. Yes, it's hard. Full confession, I come here in church and I open my Bible and I'm ready to study for the next sermon. And I'm telling you, I feel like I'm reading Greek and I'm not. I'm reading the English translation. (laughs) God, what are you trying to say? How do I figure something out? Lord, do that at your job, so don't yell at me. No different than you. <laughs> Go home, and Mary and I don't always see eye to eye. One of us is right, and I'm usually wrong. I go home, and for some reason, the devil just possesses all three of them at the exact same time. It was always on Sunday morning, too. I don't understand it. Thankfully, we don't have to fight that battle anymore. But we fight on and we go on. 
somehow at the end of the journey I'm praying that when they stand over me that they'll say, Dad really believed what he said every week. Mom really believed what she sang about every week. Are they going to say that of your life? May it be so. Amen. Why? Because what we believe is real. It's alive. God will bless this life. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, if this life was all there is to it, we would be empty. We would be hopeless. We would be without. God, we know it's not. We know because Jesus is alive, we too will live forever. And so, Father, I pray that we as a church in a world that has gone so mad and so crazy, that, God, we would continue to affirm and support what you have called us to do. God, will be industrious, hard workers, diligent at the task that you've given us. God, we'll take the responsibility of marriage and fatherhood and motherhood seriously. Lord, most of all, that we'll fall on our knees and acknowledge how much we need you each and every day. Lord, we do that because the gospel is real. The truth is real. Christ is a living hope. God, this is the greatest argument we can give against this world. To live a way that honors you. To fulfill the purposes and designs that you have set before us. So I pray your blessing upon each and every individual. On each and every man here today, each and every father and grandfather. God, they will live their life in such a manner. God, when the insanity of this world comes to an end, they will look at us and say, they were right. The word of God was right. The truth of God was right. Christ is alive and he is the answer we need. Do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing this song as we finish here. Time this morning. Be a light to this world, showing them that you are alive and that you are real. Be with us as we go throughout our day. Bless our men and fathers today. Keep them in your love and care. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us till we meet again, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you this morning. So glad you're here today.